the opportunity to come and, and share the word with you this morning. We did have a great time. I hope that you'll come out tonight. We're going to um, uh, just go through some passages of scripture uh, that maybe you thought were difficult words of Jesus, and maybe we've looked at them in the wrong way, and we're just going to take some time tonight to kind of navigate, maybe it looks a little different. And so our passion is looking at the context and the culture, especially of Jesus's day, to look at it that way to help us better understand and go a little deeper into Jesus's words. So we hope you'll join us. We have a, a table in the back that kind of describes our ministry a little bit and what we do. Uh, we have a passion to take people to Israel and biblical lands. And uh, we just got back, actually, I think we still have residue of uh, jet lag. We just got back Thursday uh, leading a group of pastors over to the Holy Land. We took a group of 30 of us over and led them through the land and just got back on Thursday. But we would love you to join us and think about doing that. We've got some brochures as well as some cards out there. And we'd love you to sign up for our newsletter, kind of follow what's going on, and uh, we just love to see people excited about the Word of God and thankful for the opportunity to come and share with you this weekend. I want to take some time in the Word this morning, that's what we're here for, but I want to introduce my family uh, to you. I think, oh yeah, look at that, it's already up there. Uh, this is my beautiful family, of course, me and my wife in the middle. My wife, this year we're celebrating 34 years of marriage, and, uh, and we uh, are just excited that we get to do this together. Um, it's just so exciting. I was sitting there this morning, uh, just worshiping the Lord, just enjoying the presence of the Lord. And he was just tapping me on my shoulder, reminding me, hey, we talked about this a lot of years ago and we're doing this together. And, and he just reminded me of his promise that years ago when I first gave my life to the Lord, uh, I kind of felt like I would travel and teach and preach, but it's been a long time uh, in that process. And he just reminded me again today that we have that opportunity. I get to do it with my lovely wife. And so it's such a pleasure. And so we're in the middle. Um, of course, she always looks a lot younger than I do. Uh, my two daughters, my adult daughters, uh, are on the left there. My oldest one up there, Lindsay, and my youngest, Jordan. And, uh, and then my two awesome son-in-laws, Trevor, uh, that's married to my oldest, and Josh, that's married to my youngest. And then my, uh, my mother-in-law photobombing right there. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but there's another person in that picture. And I am her favorite son-in-law, so that's good. But, of course, Holly's an only child, so that should tell you something. But that's my lovely family. Uh, I'm blessed beyond measure. Uh, what's really cool about my son-in-laws is, is that they roomed in college together. And they're really good friends. And so it's like the greatest thing because... We all just love hanging out together, so it is such a treat. They they actually room together at North Central, and uh, and my uh, my youngest, when she got married, uh, Josh just said, "I'm going to get Trevor to fall in love with Lindsay, and so we can be family." And uh, his plan worked. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? And so uh, thankful for that. Hey, we're here to get into the Word this morning, so I want to do that. I want to look at a passage of Scripture. I've got a title screen this morning. It's just close encounters. I want to talk about close encounters with Jesus this morning. So if you would, would you turn to Luke chapter 24 this morning? Luke chapter 24. And if it'd be all right this morning, I would love to take some time just to read large portion of scripture. Is that okay? Because how many of you know, it's just great stories there. And so I would just love to take some time this morning uh, to read this very famous passage of Scripture. Um, really, what we would say is the road to Emmaus. So chapter 24, we're going to be starting in verse 13. And we're just going to read uh, 
just all the way to the end of the chapter. Uh, but just to give you a little heads up what was going on before, just the verses before, Peter had uh, just run to uh, the grave, the sepulcher, and finds that it's empty. And he's kind of, uh, it says he's stooping down, he be, beholds the linen clothes laid by themselves, and he departs wondering which things just happened to come to pass. Isn't that an interesting statement in verse 12? He's wondering what just happened. Well, Jesus raised from the dead, like he said, right? I mean, that's a, we can easily say that, right? But let's just, I'm just setting up the, for the story of what just happened. Now, I want to read about a couple guys, and uh, what now happens is some close encounters with the risen king. So I love to stand when we read God's word because I think standing in honor of the king, this is his word, and we're going to hear the king's words this morning. So if you are able to this morning, would you stand as we read this together? And, and, uh, and again, my prayer to you is you'd hear it afresh, that it wouldn't be just something, ah, I already know this story, and you kind of check out. Would you just hear it like brand new? Because this is an awesome story. Uh, it's an incredible story. It's riveting. I like that word. Everyone say that. Riveting. It's a riveting uh, passage. So let's just read this. It says in verse 13 of chapter 24 of the book of Luke, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you're having one to another as you walk and are a little sad? And one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said, are you a stranger here in Yerushalayim? Have you not known the things that happened here in the recent days? And he said, what things? I love that. Tell me about this. What things? So they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty indeed, and a word, bef and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, everyone say we, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying they'd also seen visions of angels. They said he was alive, and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him, they didn't see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things? entered into his glory. And then, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, opened their understanding to them in all the scriptures, the things that concerned himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. It's toward the evening, and the day's far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread. Now I want you to note something here. Just this is a side note. I was going to say this. But all of a sudden what Jesus does here is very crucial. I don't know if you recognize this. But in the culture of the day, he just now, he was invited to be into their home or into where they were. And then he took the bread and blessed. This was the role of the host. Isn't that interesting? 
So the scripture is telling us something that he's taking position here to try to declare something to them. Just, just a side note, something to be thinking about. He took the bread, said the barucha, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Yerushalayim and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he's known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now as he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Shalom Aleichem, peace to be to you. But they were terrified and frightened, supposed that they had seen a spirit. Isn't this a great story? This is riveting. I love it. And he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do you have doubts that are rising in your hearts? Behold, look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, touch me, for the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, but while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said, have you any food? It's just getting better. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. He took it, ate it in their presence. And he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning myself. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said, therefore it is written, and it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands, blessed them, and it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them, carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were there continually in the temple, praising, blessing God. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Father, this isn't just a story. Father, this is an encounter. And so, Father, would you take your word, the truth thereof, penetrate it deep in our hearts, and let us hear what you have to say in it and through it to us today, this moment, this moment, God. Open up our understanding, as you did with these men. God, we need it today. We need it today, just as they did then. Will you do that for us, Father? Come and walk alongside of us on our road in this moment. God, we worshiped and honor you, honored you this morning. We lifted up our praise and worshiped to you upward. But now, Lord, we stand with receiving hearts to say, would you send the truth of who you are and your word to us now? As we sent our offerings to you this morning upward. Will you send the word downward to us in our hearts and that we'll respond with great joy and fervor for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated this morning. If there's someone near to you or even around you, would you just shout at them and say, that is the word of the Lord.
Well, that's about an eight. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I want to talk today about two encounters. So we're talking about close encounters. You'll notice there's a few guys on the road out there. Today I want to talk about these encounters that happened to these men and these guys that were in this room. There's two moments, two situations in this story that I think is very important for us to see, and I think it definitely applies to us today. I want you to know something before we begin, that these guys are on this road on that third day, the tomb is empty, Peter is wondering what's going on, and we find this first moment, this first group of people in this story walking an opposite way. If you know anything about Emmaus, it is outside of the city of Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus raises from the dead in the city of Jerusalem or in Jerusalem, and these guys are actually walking the other way. Just to give you reference, if you went from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, that's the direction they're going. Actually, when you drive today in a bus to Tel Aviv, part of the road to Emmaus would be under that road. Seven miles they are walking. So I want to just get you into this picture and this idea that these men in this moment are walking away from the event. Now, they hadn't seen, the body's gone, Peter's kind of wondering, and these guys are like, let's just go to Emmaus. I mean, it's, the, they don't even know yet. The tomb is empty, and they're walking a different direction, walking away from the event. And look at, in verse 21 and thereabouts, they begin to talk about, to Jesus, a little bit of what they're feeling. Well, he was mighty in word and deed, the power of God. I mean, they are all in. But here's the thing that they say. Our hope was that he would have delivered us. And it's in this moment, it's in these thoughts that they become a little discouraged. Things aren't happening exactly as they had hoped. And because of that, they begin to go the other way. Now, I would just say this, that they are at the core of confusion at this point, right? They had an expectation of God. They had an expectation of what was going to happen, and it didn't. They also, in that expectation, hoped that Rome their enemies would be destroyed because that's what they found would be ultimate freedom. But that's not what Jesus did. That wasn't his plan. He was going to free them in a greater way, but they didn't know that. They're at the core of their confusion. And what happens to them? They begin to walk away from the event. They don't want anything to do with maybe the fear of, uh, of them. Maybe Rome's going to come against them or the high officials are going to come again. Well, let's just get out of here. It's too much. Uh, we thought he was going to do something. We know it's empty. We don't get why it's empty. We're not putting it all together. Let's just go back to Emmaus and walk away from that. I want you to note something that's so important. We need the awareness at this point in our own life to understand that when we kind of view God this way, that he didn't come through, he didn't do exactly what we had hoped, he, he said this, but it came about this way, and it doesn't look like I want. We should have an awareness that that can cause us to walk away from him, that we can journey the wrong way. It was in this moment when they should have been waiting, looking for that next thing, that they find themselves walking away from an event in confusion, kind of a little bit disgruntled, frustrated. Have you not even heard what happened? 
And that confusion, and can I say this, that hope for God to do something that you thought was the right thing to do, when it doesn't come to pass, it clouded their judgment and they begin to walk a different way. We need to be aware of this. I think this story teaches us a little bit that things didn't go as they had hoped. And I find myself, maybe not dramatically, but a little off in my direction of my walk. Pastor Tom shared this morning, when we take on that yoke, when we take on what Jesus says, we need to walk as he would want us to walk and confusion and our hopes of what we think he should have done. We can get kind of messed up in our thinking pattern and we begin to walk another way. Can we say that this morning? How many of you have ever been there? How many of you don't want to admit it? And how many of you think that maybe that could happen again? The second group of people, this is an interesting one. Remember, Jesus comes on those other guys, puts his arm around him, begins to share some things with him, gets to know their story. They're walking a different way, but there's another moment, another encounter. And that happens to be in a room, in a house somewhere. Uh, that He just shows up. First of all, uh, just out of the blue, I want to ask, would that freak you out? I just want to be honest. All of a sudden, this, this guy just shows up. I mean, that's going to be a little unexpected, Right. So they shows up in this room, and, and we realize in the book of John that this encounter, we're told that these men, uh, this group of people that are in this room, John tells us that they're hidden there because of fear. So now we have a group of people that are walking an opposite way because hopes didn't get fulfilled. God didn't do what he was, we, they thought he should do. And this other group, this other encounter, they're just hidden in a room, close the doors, too much is happening. I'm worried about what's happening next. There's fear. I don't know about you, but if I look around the world today, it seems that a lot of us would fall in some of those categories. God, I thought you were going to do this. I was hoping for this. Or the other one that there's just so much happening. You know what? It's just easier to close the door around me and huddle together, huddle with my friends, those that I'm comfortable with, because I just don't understand what's going on. It's too fearful out there. Things are changing too quickly. And we might find ourselves in one of those groups today. Maybe fearful, maybe confused, but these are the encounters that are so important. We've all been there. We've all found ourselves in fear at times, pulling back, not as engaged as we should be. Maybe sometimes a little confused. You had prayed something. Didn't go as you had hoped. You had hoped God would come rushing in. It didn't change. Maybe 10 years down the road, you're still in the same boat. Yeah, you still believe in him. He's mighty in word and deed. But you find yourself walking in a different way than you've never walked before. But yeah, I still believe he is who he is. How many of you know both of those groups need an encounter? Because none of those things are healthy. What I love about this story, don't miss this, this is first and foremost in this story, is whether somebody was walking an opposite way, here's Jerusalem, I'm walking away from the event, I'm walking away from the big things, or it's somebody closed away in fear. Here's what I love about that, men walking the other way, closed up in a, in a house, fearful, but here's what I love about this story because I've heard it 
in the church, my own brothers and sisters in the Lord have come up and go, don't fear, the Lord can't move in fear, or don't be confused about that, don't doubt, he can't move in that, but that's not what my story tells me today. My story finds that if I'm walking the wrong way, I'm confused, I've lost a little hope, or I'm fearful, closed up in a room, I find, first and foremost, before we go any farther, that Jesus, as soon as he raises from the dead, he goes out and finds those that are in need of an encounter. That's so crucial. It doesn't matter if I'm going away from him, if I'm walking that way. You know, Jesus has just been dead for a few days. Right? I think he's got some things to do. Paperwork's been stacking up. But here's the first thing that he does. I know that this caused some confusion. I know that they may not agree with what I did. i got to get them back on track. I'm going to show up right where they're at. They don't need to fix it. I'm just going to show up and reveal who I am. And you know what? Those that are fearful, however way they've closed themselves off, I'll find myself right in the middle of it. I want you to know that's who Jesus Christ is today. He's not worried if you've lost a little hope. He's not worried if you're a little confused. He's not even worried if you're walking the wrong way, and he's not worried if you've closed yourself up in fear. You know what? Jesus Christ can show up, and he can redirect. He can show who he is in the middle of that, and he would recognize that that's probably where you're going to land. How many of us have judged those men before? can't believe it. But then you look at your own life and you realize, I've altered my course because of what I'd hoped. I find myself a little disengaged because of some fear. But Jesus, first and foremost, is the one that finds us on the road. And he's the one that finds us locked in fear. He's the one that can set us free. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that the first thing on his list, even though he's a pile of paperwork because he's been gone for a few days, is still his people. And I love when others tell me I can't be that way, that he finds me right in that way because he knows I'm still in need of him. How does he deal with this? First of all, I love that, you know, we say that he's there, but the first thing he does is, uh, can I just be real honest, challenges him a little bit, you know. Uh, he shows up, but he's like, guys, I don't want to say the foolish, but that's kind of like what he says. Uh, it, it was there. You know this. How many of you know that it's great that the Lord, we have an encounter with the Lord that tries to get us back on track, but we sometimes are in need of a little bit of correction, isn't it true? Isn't it the psalmist that tells us he was comforted with the idea that when I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the rod and the staff, were gonna, I was going to find comfort in that? One is protection. We can shout about that. Yay, he's taking my, getting my enemies away. But the other one is for correction. Because <laughs> in darkness, I'll probably make some really bad decisions. But the psalmist tells us I can be comforted in it that he'll correct me and he'll protect me. Aren't you thankful for that? 
And so he comes and in this moment challenges them a little bit. But knowing that when we face those situations, it's real likely that we can get confused and find ourselves a little hopeless. But he does say, guys, you know the word. You know that this is the way it needed to be. It was written this way. I had to fulfill it that way. And he spoke to them just saying, this is what is written. This is what needed to happen And here's the other part. There's some blindness that happens. Now, that's a really odd situation for one of the encounters. There's a little blindness that happens. Now, in the Greek and the understanding of what was going on, this is almost like can be an induced blindness. Like it's being caused not just by what they were going through, but rather some believe that this is actually because God had put a small blindness on them. And he's going to deal with them through this blindness you know what, sometimes we need that. How many of you know that if Jesus would have just shown up, he would have, they would have recognized him? Ah, you're here! That is great! Look at that! We're better! Right? But the problem with that is I have no tools for when I don't have those encounters. See, this blindness needed to happen because if he just shows up and says, Hey guys, look at me, I'm here they wouldn't have been empowered with the tools knowing that there may be times that you don't feel it, you're not having an encounter, but you need the tools to get through it. And he said, I want to show you something, but I can't show you me yet, but I want to show you how to deal with this when you're confused and hopeless. There's the word that you can go back to, and then I'll reveal myself and disappear. (laughs) All right? And the next one he deals with a little bit differently. He shows up in this fear. He says, come on, guys, touch me. I'm not a ghost. You're going to have this encounter in this moment of fear. But I want you to know what he still does in both of those encounters. I want you to know what he does. He shows them plainly in the word who he was. I want you to note that. Verse 27 says, And at the beginning of Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And he actually says, you guys know this, but I need to show you. So the first encounter when I'm hopeless and I'm going through things that I don't uh, understand, I'm a little confused, I thought when I prayed things would change, right? How many of you... That's, and how many of you should still hope when you pray there can be change? How many of you know he's the change maker? He can do all things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that he is the healer, protector. He's the king that sits above all principalities. Is that true? But there are times things don't always go, and he realizes, hey, I'm going to take you to the word. Because this is what's written of me. This is how it had to happen. I know you didn't like it. How many of you don't always agree with the Lord? Come on. There's a, some of you are like. Here's your, you're your kind of like, maybe if the speaker would just see me, then that's enough. Nobody else will, right? But how many of you sometimes don't agree with the way the Lord does things? All right, all right, others are liars. And so, um, it's okay, I know you don't know me well enough yet, it's fine. But the fact is, is we all have gotten there, 
And the realization is Jesus takes him back to the word and say, tells him this is how it had to happen to show that I am the promised one. And there was a plan. That it wasn't happenstance, but it came and fulfilled a plan. And then in verse 45, the other encounter, look at this. He opened their understanding in verse 45 that they might understand the scriptures. And it said, it is written, and it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. They needed to know what had been written about him and that he did do exactly what was said. When we're here today in this moment, we have to recognize whatever we may be facing, God is fulfilling his word to mankind. And he simply said, I know you're fearful. I know you're a little hopeless. I know you're a little confused. I know you've off kilter a little bit. But know this. I want you to note something this morning, church. It's simply this. That both of those situations, he dealt with that encounter exactly the same. The end result was, look to the scripture. I am who I said I am. I am that fulfillment. I did do what I was going to do. Yeah, in the fearful ones, they got to touch him. And, 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 and that was a really powerful moment. But I want you to know, sometimes our experiences, maybe in church, maybe during a time of prayer, we have these really powerful experiences. And, and how many of you had the Lord just come and move in your life? And you can name the date, the place, the time, the moment, what you ate two minutes before. You know it, Right? But how many of you know, maybe since that time, you haven't had that? And though they got to touch him, experience him, see him for who he really was, saw the marks of the covenant upon him, they still needed something to carry them through. And what was it going to be? The power of the truth of the word of God. Both encounters. When you see it like this, and both those encounters came with the same result, is that I'm going to show them the word of God and how I was the one, that tells me that that's what we need. That's what we need. Whether we're in fear, confusion, going the wrong way, we need the power of the revelation. We can have those experiences. We can see them real in our lives. We can have the miraculous. But the fact of the matter is, that is yesterday, but the word of God is living today. It's truth today. And he realized that. Guys, you're going to touch me now. You guys are going to see the marks. But the reality is I'm leaving. And you need something that's staying with you. He fought doubt, confusion, misdirection, and fear with the power of the word and stating who he truly is. And that is true all the time. Now, I want you to note something that he says. This is really a cool statement, and I want to give you a little background on this. Can we take a little sidetrack for a moment? Would that be all right? Yes, I still have time. Hallelujah. Look at what verse 46 says. I want to give you a little uh, context and culture of the scriptures here. In verse 46, he says this. Therefore, it was written... Okay, I want you to note something. In the culture of the day, 
If something is written, it's non-negotiable. If it has been said, it's up for debate. I want you to hear that again. When it is thus written, meaning the scriptures, the, the Torah, the Moses, the prophets, and the writings, the Old Testament, that's what he's talking about. It is written. When it says it is written, and you know it's been written, it's non-negotiable. What is debatable is what is said. Now that should give you, that should make you begin to think about the times that he said what has been written and what has been said. Because when you hear him say something's been said, it means that it's an interpretation of what has been written. That's really good. You know why? Because when it is written, non-negotiable. But your interpretation is what's said, and that's debatable. That's really good for churches. You know why? Because there's a lot of doctrines and beliefs that are interpretations of the truth of God's word, and those always are debatable. Always. Because that is your interpretation through your eyes, your filter, your experiences, and that is not the word of God. And that's why Jesus says, you've heard it been said. But what is written is non-negotiable it is what God has done. It is not an interpretation. It is the truth of who he is, non-negotiable. You want to hear what happens here? Do you, come on now. I want, to, I want to take this one step further. Can we jump into another story? The devil comes up and tempts him. Hey, why don't you take this rock and make it into a little bread? Jesus, aren't you a little hungry? And what does he say? It is written. Non-negotiable. And Jesus comes along in this moment and says, here's what is written. You can't deny it. It said that I would be pierced. It says that I would be put on a stake. It says that I would be dead for three days. It says that they would beat me beyond recognition. And it says that I'll come out of that grave. And you know what? Those things happened because they were written non-negotiable. And I fulfilled it completely. I am the one. I am the Messiah. I am the Redeemer. I did what I said I would do. Non-negotiable. There are just some non-negotiables that we need to know in our life. And one of them, the most important one, is always understanding who he is. See, Peter at one point got a little confused. I don't know if you remember this story. They're in a garden one time, hanging out. Jesus is really digging in. He's trying to fight his own will at this point, asking the Lord maybe if there was another way. He finally gets resolve, if you remember. Peter and a few other guys, they were kind of sleeping. They had a lot of wine. Okay, maybe this isn't the crowd. Culturally, they had a lot of wine. So four cups. So just so you know, uh, traditional to sleep right after a Passover meal. Plus they were in grief and pain, confused. They slept, and as soon as Jesus says, you know what, it's time. Our enemies are coming. Let's face them. You know why? He resolved. He knew what was written of him and what needed to come to pass. And he got that resolve through the revelation of God in that moment to say, you know what's been written of me? I now have to face my enemy. And then all of a sudden, Peter rises up and goes, oh, I guess there's a sword here. 
and there's a guy's ear right there. <laughs> I don't agree with what's happening, so I'll just take his ear off, right? But here's a riveting. I think it shakes me to my core every time of what Jesus says. Do you not know? At this moment, Peter, I can call legions. <laughs> but I won't because I know what needs to be fulfilled. What happens when the word of God gets in us? What happens when we realize who he is? In those moments, we're not picking up the swords. In those moments, we realize he can do all things. I just need sometimes to hold on. Christ acted according to the word. Peter decided to act out of his own ambition. And thankfully, Jesus is always there to help us in those moments. But you'll see the resolve. Here's what is said. It is written, this is the result. I am who I am. And I want to talk for a moment just about this. What is the result of this encounter? Each of these encounters? The boys on the road, this is really interesting. First of all, there was hearts burning, they said. They recognized there was hearts burning. There's something, of, how many of you felt that truth at times? Just that it just sits with you and you realize it's truth and there's this passion, this, this assurity that happens when you hear the truth of God's word. All of a sudden you're like, yeah! yeah! Have you ever done that? You know, and, and I think that the, just putting in today's terminology, it's like, yeah, God, let's, here's a classic football. Let's go. I don't understand that. Where are they going? Right? I don't get why they yell that all the time, but I'm just trying to put what hearts burning might have been, you know. I got the word. It's truth. I see it. The confusion is going away. Hope is rising back up. Passion is rising back up. Did we not feel our hearts burning? There's something about the power of God's word when it is written. But as when it's just said, when there's just sayings, when there's just interpretations, when it isn't exactly God's word in its context, it loses that power. Hearts burned inside of them when truth came. But here's the other thing that's really happened. Look at verse 33 of this. It says, they rose up in the very same hour and returned to Jerusalem. For us, that's not a big deal. Oh, I get in my car. I shut the door. I turn on my heated seats. You guys have not been in Jerusalem during this time. It is cold. So at that very hour, it's probably 4 o'clock beyond. Sun is already setting. They are on foot, ladies and gentlemen. And just so you know, it says at the very hour, because remember, the day is already growing late, so we're probably 5, 6 o'clock at night. They don't jump in their car. They actually head back to Jerusalem at night, which is very dangerous, by the way. And just so you know, it's uphill. Everything is uphill. Anytime you go to Jerusalem. Have you ever heard that thing that it's uphill both ways? That is truth in Jerusalem. It's, it's really true. And so these guys in that very moment, through danger, night, cold, and uphill, 
serious uphill. I know in South Dakota, you don't know what that means. But uphill at night, seven miles. I'm going back at this very hour. No matter what I face. And not only that, they were going back to the danger and to the confusion that they had left. And that is still there when they get there. But I want to tell you something. That encounter, their hearts burned, passion reignited, hope reignited. And they say at this very hour, we got to get back in the action. We got to redirect our steps. I want to re-engage. Because I realize he is who he says he is. And then finally in the room, bound in fear, their encounter, which was touching him, seeing him, as well as the power of the word, saying this is what's been written. What is the result of this one? It says clearly at the end of the reading, after those encounters and those moments, they were back in the temple daily praising and worshiping God. Fear had been broken. And what were they doing? They were waiting for what? The word that Jesus had spoken. Wait here in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. Be here. And they found themselves praising and worshiping out in the open. Doesn't sound like much to us. But for them, it was a big deal. Their rabbi, their friend, were just killed by some of these people. Yes, he was raised from the dead, but they didn't know what fate they had on the other side. But that encounter broke fear, reengaged them back into worshiping and honoring the Lord. Even though the Lord wasn't there anymore, Jesus had ascended. They said, we have the tools to live. Even if I face fear, I have the word. Even if I'm now confused, feel a little hopeless, and things don't go my way, I have the word. He is who he says he is. Can we stand together? Jesus says this, John records it in the 14th chapter. This is our Savior, the King of Kings. He says this, All this I've spoken while I was still with you, but the Advocate is coming, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things and he'll remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And I would go on even further this morning. As we tie all those words together, he says, don't be hopeless. Don't be offended when it doesn't go the way you had hoped. But know this. My word is true. I fulfill my word. I will do what I said I will do. 
And so whatever state we're in today, or whatever state we may be going in, or even the unknown on the other side of today, the fact is those encounters taught us a great principle. We need God's word in our hearts and in our lives. You've heard it said, you've heard you need to be reading and studying God's word, but from this, I don't need to tell you that. And Jesus says, you know what? You don't have to do it alone. I'm not going to show up on the road beside you. I'm probably not going to show up in the room. The Holy Spirit partnering with you to remind you of all those things. But he can only remind you if it's there. So in those moments, it's not, oh, I'm going to go to the Word when I'm going through the hopeless time. Don't do that. you got to have it there. So then the Holy Spirit will come alongside of you in that moment when you're walking and you've adjusted and you're going the wrong way. He'll remind you of the power of the truth. When you're in fear, locked away, I don't know how I'm going to make it tomorrow. I, those bills, that decision, that relationship, the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside and remind you of the promises of who He is. When you want to pick up a sword in the midst of all of it, he'll come alongside of you and say, don't you remember, I can do all things. I am all powerful. I sit above all thrones. I am the king of kings. We need it. We need to go back to it. We need to read it and let the Lord come alongside of us and open our understanding. And so, Father, that's what we do today. We come running to you. Holy Spirit, you've been sent to remind us, to give us peace in the power of the Word. And so, Lord, will you open our understanding? We recognize this in this moment, wherever we're at. We need an encounter with you. We need our understanding open. Maybe we're not too far off, but we recognize we're not walking the way we once were. We recognize that we've kind of gone away from the battle, gone away from the confusion, and we've disconnected. And so, will you come alongside of us and remind us of that? Will you help us, give us those moments in the Word again? It wouldn't be something we just hope to do, but it would be something that we would long to do and chase after and make the time so that we could see you for who you really are and see your plan and find peace that Jesus mentions. And so to that, we give you the glory, we give you the praise, we give you the honor, and thank you for your word that is truth. It is written, it's non-negotiable, and we rest in that. Thank you that you are faithful. Pray for Restoration Church. I pray, Father, they become people of the word like never before. Hearts burning with your truth. Passion for you and for their community. Build your church. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We bless you, O oh God, for this church and for their place in, their, in this community. I bless you. I thank you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Amen. What a powerful reminder. Amen. Tonight, 
again, 6 o'clock. Um, we'll have an opportunity to study more at downtown office location. If you're not sure where that is, please just find me after service. I'll help you uh, find that. 5 to 545, the room will be open with just some time of worship. If you just want to just sit, prepare your heart, um, sometimes it's good to do that before we get in the Word. Don't forget to stop by the table before you leave. Um, Lynn and Holly have some materials out there about their ministry, um, information about trips and other resources, so please stop by there. And uh, our table, don't forget to stop and see Connie. She's got a t-shirt with your name on it. Well, it doesn't have your name on it, but it has our church name on it, and you're a part of that, so it's got your name on it, I guess. And uh, lots of information out there as well. If you want to participate in the offering for uh, Lynn and Holly and their ministry, the basket is out there, or you can use the online that we have as well. So if you, our prayer team is always available after service. I'm always available after service. If you just want someone to pray with you about something or you just need someone to talk to, uh, please find one of us. We'd love the opportunity to do that. Otherwise, God bless you as you go today.